Welcome Arlington. You're listening to Grace in 30 on WERALP 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. This is Sal Dietry, the co-host of Grace in 30, and my main man Ed Mellick is off tonight. Tonight, listeners, we're diving into the power and importance of reading and literacy right here in Arlington County. Believe it or not, this is a problem right here in Arlington County. Hopefully, we'll spur some of you to get involved as reading volunteers. You know, a recent study by the National Endowment for the Arts concluded that, you know, there's a decline uh, among teenagers and adult Americans. It's had a, a demonstrable social, economic, cultural, uh, you know, civic implications. You know, simply put, we need to recultivate that love for reading on our children and adults. Uh, and tonight's guests, uh, the Reading Connection, are working to do uh, just that. Uh, Judy Hijikata is a communications director at the Reading Connection, and Kim Otis is a member of their board of directors and has been a read aloud volunteer with uh, with them uh, at the Berkeley Apartments right here in Arlington uh, for many many years. Honored by a number of organizations as one of the best small charities in Washington D.C., the Reading Connection helps at risk children improve their odds of success by helping them develop a love of reading. For over 20 years, The Reading Connection has been reading to kids who have no one else to read for them and giving books to kids who have none. Judy and Kim, welcome to Grace in 30. Hi, how are you? you. Thank you. Great, Uh, you know, this show uh, is about people, organizations in the DC area, um, improving the lives of others. And, and often we get focused on things like hunger and despair, but you know, I put reading right up there uh, at the top of life's basic needs. You know, Judy, give us a sense of the need for and the impact of programs like the Reading Connection. Sure, I'd be glad to talk about that. So as you said, a lot of Often we're concerned and we see that our clients are concerned about food and medicine and shelter because they may be homeless or in shelters or in affordable housing. But as far as the future of the family goes, it's just as important that those kids develop good reading skills. One of the things that we know recent, uh, that we've been really talking about recently is uh, this concept of book deserts, which means that if you are a family living in poverty, the chances are that you're living in a book desert and there are very few age-appropriate books for your child. So how is your child going to become a good reader and a lover of books if there are no books? One of the things that we do at the Reading Connection is to provide access to books, to let kids choose books, to own books, and to help the families read together. Yeah, I mean, I, I looked up, you know, a Fortune magazine article. It's funny. They say, you know, some people will lie, cheat, steal, backstab to get ahead and to think all they have to do is read. I mean, how important <laughs> reading is uh, in, in just everything that we do and certainly in promoting uh, children as they as they go through the systems. You know, there was a, uh, a National Endowment of the Arts had this this effort to read or not to read. Uh, and, you know, looked at the central importance of reading plays in, in a prosperous, uh, free society. Um, you know, shamefully, I, I've read, you know, that uh, one third of American teenagers drop out of school. Uh, you know, this is de- related to a decline in literacy. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's very true. We've seen a lot of research on this. And the way we actually think about it in terms of our work Uh, at the shelters and at the affordable housing complexes is that if a child isn't reading on grade level by grade three, 
the odds of them graduating from high school really decline. Uh, this is sort of a broadly known concept that you learn to read up to grade three, and after grade three, you read to learn. So you need to be able to read to learn the content. And imagine as you go through school, if you're not reading and not getting the content, you know, what motivates you to stay interested in school? Hmm. And that's where you start to see the, the dropouts. That's right. Yeah, there's, there's some mm -hmm. statistics here. You know, 50% of adults cannot read a book written at the eighth grade level. I mean, that's from the Literacy Project Foundation. Three out of four people on welfare can't read, according to this group. And, and, uh, and, and in fact, many people in, in prisons, there's a, there's a literacy issue there. Um, it, you know, has impacts to the economy. It's, it's uh, somewhere around a $20 billion impact. Uh, and not only the school dropouts, you know, costing the nation probably about $240 billion uh, in social services expenditures, lost tax revenue. You, you know, at a high level, um, uh, Kim, and, and jump in here a little bit too. Sure. Describe what you folks do at the Reading Connection and, and give us some of your own statistics. Sure. Um, I can jump in here uh, just to talk about one of our flagship programs, which is the Read Aloud program. Um, and we do this primarily for ages five to nine-year-olds. Um, and this is where we go into, we partner with shelters um, in uh, five different counties actually now. So we're in Arlington, we're in Montgomery County, Fairfax, DC, and Alexandria. And what we do is we, um, we, we go in once a week to these organizations, these, sh these shelters and affordable housing um, uh, apartments. Um, and we are on a team of like four other volunteers. We've created a theme. So say the theme is the circus. So we create this theme called the circus and um, one of us might gather all the books together based on that theme. Somebody else might say, okay, well, let's do um, a snack for, you know, for everybody to, to eat while we talk and read and discuss about the, this topic in these books. And then we read to the kids. We sit on a, a carpet and we, some of them might sit on our laps and um, we, we basically read these books around the theme of uh, the circus um, and we talk to them about the theme and what they know about the theme. Have they ever been to a circus? And basically, you can just see these kids light up when they're actually like invested and someone's invested in, you know, hearing what they have to say about something too. It's so important. Um, and we also don't strive to make kids read themselves while while we're reading to them because that's a lot of I mean I can think everybody can remember as a kid if you didn't pronounce a word right and you didn't you know say exactly what was in the in the book you you were corrected by the teacher which is correct but in this situation this is outside of you know schools and so we want to make it something that's fun um, so you want to take out the the shame and not maybe knowing how to pronounce a word or something so unless the the child wants to do it and is asking to do it we don't we don't have to we don't have to do that you know um, and so then after that at, at, when the the read aloud program it lasts for about an hour um, just an hour of your time too can I just <laughs> mention yeah. that um, so this is once a month for most volunteers an hour of your time I mean if you're going to get involved and volunteer at all this is pretty much you know the easiest thing you could possibly do um, and so at the end of the Read Aloud program, we actually put out a bunch of brand new books. Um, they all have labels um, uh, inside for a name. Um, and each child comes up to that table and is offered the chance to look at a book and uh, take it home with them, a brand new book that they can take home. They can put their name on it. It's their book. And basically what we're doing is we're helping build libraries at home, right? So a lot of these kids, like uh, Judy was saying, you know, they live in a place of uh, book poverty or 
book desert, I think is what you refer to it as. And um, we're building these libraries. Um, it's just been, I mean, for me, I've been uh, volunteering f since 2010. And it's just, I mean, I definitely think I'm getting more out of it than the kids sometimes because I learn so much from them. And um, it, it's just, it, it's definitely something that throws me back to my childhood too. And I've got a lot of memories connected to reading. And so that's what we're trying to create. We're trying to create the memories that you had when you were a child that led you to continue reading so that they continue reading throughout their lives. That, I love that comment because uh, sometimes I see my uh, my 10-year-old uh, son reading some of the, the same types of books that I read when I was a kid, and it, it's fun to see that. You know, Judy, uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about the, the scale of how you're doing this. You, you folks have been at this for 25 years? Yeah, 27, actually. 27 <laughs> years, and you've got about 250 volunteers? Yeah, that's right. We've got about 250 volunteers like Kim. So those are read aloud volunteers. Oh, that's like a thousand normal volunteers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like 250 <laughs> like Kim is like maybe 2,000 people like Sal. You know, right? <laughs> that's um, and so they, yeah, they, they go out and deliver the program. So I always like to say we have like, you know, six or seven staff and 250 volunteers so that's like what what's that what's that proportion <laughs> exactly. uh, so you can see how important the volunteers are to the reading connection they really are what allow us to go out to 12 different sites and deliver the read aloud program mm -hmm. yeah, and you're reaching about uh, 1300 children or mm -hmm. 700 families I mean, this is yeah, a big right. endeavor yeah yep so that's every year and uh, it's the read aloud program plus we have a couple of other programs so that's a combination of all of our programs and you give away free books. I mean, you, yes. you just mentioned this, Kim, yep. and, and something in the neighborhood of like 13,000 books, as I understand it. I mean, tell me about the, the criteria for some of those books. I mean, what, what are you putting out there uh, for kids, I guess kids of all ages? You know, my son is into uh, The Ranger's Apprentice. That's, you know, that's a book. Um, it's interesting you talk about getting kids hooked on reading uh, for years, uh, probably until he was maybe in the second grade. He was the kid that didn't, uh, didn't do his reading and then he caught on to a book called The Hatchet. Sure. And then Gary um, Paulson. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, and he read about as much, you know, he read read the whole book and then he got hooked on this uh the Brother Band ser brand series, band series and uh, The Ranger's Apprentice and those were books that he loved. Yeah. And so yeah. he he read the entire Ranger's Apprentice series uh last summer he read over 2000 pages. Uh, in one summer. So tell us about some of the books you're putting out and how you kind of come to those, uh, you know, what goes out on the table, things that make good reading books. What, do you remember so, what was out? I mean, so what... <laughs> they come in as donations, I should say, and that's a way that people can help us. They do come in as donations. I mean, we definitely have lists on the website that kind of say, you know, the top 12 books right now or things like that. Um, it go through it goes through cycles. I mean, uh, maybe what two years ago now it was all about the diary of a wimpy kid. I mean, we could not have enough of those books. <laughs> um, and one of the things we do strive to do is kind of open up the horizon a little bit. So we also had a big. <laughs> a big uh, desire for Minecraft books yes. for quite a while. Um, so you try to, you know, you, you definitely let them choose those books. And it's based on the ages of the kids that we're having. Now, re remember, like, we have 12 sites, so they're all very different. And so the communities of children are also different there. I'm fortunate that I work, or I volunteer, work. <laughs> I have volunteered the, at the, the Berkeley, where it's an aff affordable housing facility. So 
there are kids that I'm seeing grow through our program. So they are with us from the age of five to say 10, 10 years old. Whereas in a lot of the shelters, you're not seeing the same children all the time. So it is definitely each time you have to really pay attention to your age groups um, and what kids are asking about and the questions and stuff. So that when you go, we have basically a drawer of books and it's up to one volunteer to kind of go into that drawer and say, okay, I'm going to pick out this, you know, some nonfiction books here. Somebody's into the comics, you know, we want to get that in there. Um, We do a lot of National Geographic type books. Uh, Science is huge, um, especially, I think, for, you know, the eight, like the seven to nine year olds. Yes. Um, One of the things that I've noticed, too, is um, that's one of the reasons why we try to do all different themes. And we actually have a database that's been set up for us by the Reading Connection staff. It's amazing. It's our Volunteer Central website. And it actually allows us to go in and search for topics and themes that have been done before by other sites. And we get to like look and review and look at the books they use and things like that. And it really helps us out. But there's nothing like when you have that new topic for the first time, and one of the, I remember we did a, a space shuttle theme one time, and it was the first time we had ever done that. And there was um, a very precocious uh, young man in our group, and we were having such a hard time connecting with him because I think he was so advanced that we were boring him, right? Right. So, because you have five year olds and you have 10 year olds, so that's a, quite a range. And uh, we we had space shuttles. All of a sudden, boom, he was in the room. He was telling everybody about NASA and how they build space shuttles and orbits. And I mean, I learned a lot that read aloud because I had no idea, you know, and it's just I had hit on something that he liked. So we then put out the science books more. Let's do more nonfiction topics. Let's focus on this. Yeah, I was going to ask you that the volunteer probably has a powerful sort of feedback loop into this. You're not just a volunteer helping to shape um, what these kids read. You know, I can tell you my son right now is fascinated with Area 51. <laughs> and I keep trying to tell him these are useless facts. You know, there, there are no alien spaceships there. So, you know, there's the fact that... He may maybe, become a director or something of some movie one day, though, that he does something about Area 51. You never know where it's right. going to come yes, from. Uh, and he's probably listening to the show, so I should, <laughs> should probably tone that down. But, yeah, you know, Judy, uh, share some of your favorite uh, stories or... Um, you know, the impacts that, that you've seen. Uh, you mentioned to us a, a, a volunteer, uh, Lene Greaves, I believe it was, or uh, some of the other folks. Uh, tell us about some of the folks that, uh, or some of your experience as well. Sure. Uh, so Lonnie Greaves is somebody that we, we um, met many, many years ago. And she was, uh, I actually, I didn't know her when we first met her, but my colleague, Eileen Hanning, knew her well. And she was, uh, she had she had lived for a while at what's now the doorway shelter in Arlington. And then she she transitioned out of that and met Eileen at a, um, a, a, a transition kind of dinner that doorways used to have for their families. And that's where she was introduced to the book club, um, which is a another program that we have in addition to the Read Aloud program in which we send books through the mail to families who are not in shelters or affordable apartments, but are are out on their own, and we have their addresses through our partnerships with uh, home visiting agencies. But we, so we have seen Lonnie for uh, the year over the years, and we we met her recently. And when we re met her, her kids, who we had known as you know five and six year olds, had grown and were in college. <laughs> or I think her son is in the military, and she has two daughters. 
uh, I think one is a nurse or a medical technician and another one is in college. And we also met her granddaughter, Cheyenne, who is about in second grade uh, in Alexandria. And uh, her mother reads to her. It's one, one of the most uh, wonderful things and heartwarming and rewarding things is that we have seen this family uh, really um, um, embrace reading as a family. And it's it's now in the second generation. Yeah, and Lonnie herself went back to college, right? That's right. And now works for the Department of Justice. That's right, yeah. Right. And it's, what an impact it's, it's reading had you know, across all generations. And uh, you talked about, uh, I think, another person here, uh, Aja Vick, right? Was that someone else I think we chatted yeah, that's about? Actually, that's actually Lonnie's daughter. Oh, okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Great, great. And she's actually studying civil engineering. She is, yes. Yeah, it, go ahead. It's definitely um, fascinating how you, I mean, you're not just reaching the children because maybe that's, we have more direct contact sometimes with the kids than we do sometimes with the families. But think about this. This is a whole family that's been impacted mm-hmm. by the by what seems like a, you know, just a small thing, having books in your house. I mean, it seems like something that we take for granted, a lot of us. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, that's, that's something worth worth noting. You know? Right. And I will say, you know, from a program point of view, one of the things that we realized, partly through working with families like Lonnie's, uh, is the importance of uh, parents and mm-hmm. making sure that they are in a position to continue to read to their kids that if they weren't read to as children themselves and don't have them that as a part of their, you know, kind of their memory bank, that 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 we try to coach them so they feel comfortable reading to their kids. And so a, a whole one of our programs mm-hmm. now is we call it Reading Families Workshops, and it's, it's about teaching parents um, to continue to read to their child. Because like the families that Kim knows at the Berkeley, uh, you know, eventually those kids will age out and their siblings may or may not come. And even if they're not a part of our program there, we still want the families to continue to read. That's such an important extension. Yeah. And a lot of these families too, I mean, uh, English may not is 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 a, a second language mm-hmm. in this in many of these households, right? So the other night um, after the read aloud when books were being given away, um, one of the young uh, the young woman, uh, she's probably eight years old. Um, she had p- picked a, a pretty simple um, Dr. Seuss book, um, and one of the other kids was teasing her, saying, "You're you're too advanced for that." That kind of thing. Um, and she just looked and she said, "My mom is learning English. This will help her." Oh, that's great. And it was such a that had that like light bulb moment in my yeah. in my head. So the one generation looking out for the other. And, and do you provide any, I guess, training? Um, for sort of social worker staff, I mean, is there any training for the volunteers when you go in? How, how do you sort of get up to speed? You know, I, so I'm, I'm out there, I'm listening, I'm hooked, I'm, I'm the next Kim Otis. <laughs> I want to jump in. How do I get up to speed here? We do have. So what you would do is you would go to the to the website, which is www.thereadingconnection.org, mm-hmm. and go to the tab that says volunteer. And there you'll find a volunteer application, which you fill out and it comes into the office. And we do a volunteer orientations, I think about once a month. Mm-hmm. And from that, you'll, why don't you take it from there, yeah. Kim? Tell us so, what happens after um, that. So you go in um, for an orientation um, after you filled out your application. 
Um, and Stephanie Berman, who's fantastic, will be, um, she organizes those at the Reading Connection. And she talks through um, how reading reading languages are going to go, what you're going to see. Um, we talk about favorite books, the, the books that are going on uh, or popular right now and things like that. And basically, she lays out, um, they talk about the different sites and your options for where you can volunteer and the differences between them. Um, so once you settle on a site that makes sense for you, um, then what she does is she connects you with um, what's called the site coordinator um, at that facility. So that would be me at the Berkeley, because <laughs> since I started volunteering, I then became the site coordinator after a few years. Um, and that person then will reach out to you and let you know um, and set you up with an observation where you would come to the actual read aloud and um, just kind of you know, you don't have to jump in if you're not comfortable yet. Um, you just can watch what's going on, talk to the other volunteers about their experiences, and actually basically be there for an entire night without, you know, being responsible for any any part of it, um, just so that you can get orientated to how it would normally run. But, you know, I'm sure for a volunteer, for someone who wants to, to get involved, look, these kids, they're interested in so many different things. There's got to be something that you're interested in, right? I mean, a oh, kid who yeah. wants to read about, you know, sports or, uh, you know, some story that you might have read as a child and, and, you know, just the experience of being able to, you know, shine some joy in that child's life oh. and see them light up and, and share a laugh or two and, and, you know, read a good book. I mean, hey, that's a good hour spent for sure. Oh, absolutely. And it's an, again, it's an hour of your time a month. And if you're looking for something to, to, to do and to give back to your community, I know everyone is so busy. I mean, that's one of the um, hardest things, I think, for people a lot of the time is to find the time, right? Because so many organizations require, you know, more hours than maybe you have in, in your day. Um, we all have families. We all have jobs. We all have other activities outside of um, that even. So this allows you to come into a program um, where basically you might have a few emails with your team to plan uh the theme, and then you have basically one hour once a month at most um, that you ha you go and you read to kids who are really appreciated appreciative of it, um, and you're making an impact. You're having an impact. Yeah, Judy, what's what's the the profile of a volunteer? Are, the, are these mostly millennials or people of all ages? Um when I first started at the Reading Connection, which was 13 years ago, they were mostly millennials, or as we called it then, young professionals. That's right. People who were, who were brand new to the D.C. area, had just moved here for their job, and were looking for a way to get uh, involved in the community. I think over the years, this is something that we've tried to do, and I think over the years our volunteer pool has become somewhat uh, more diverse um, in age, uh, mm -hmm. in gender and uh, ethnically as well. Mm -hmm. And actually, Kim was just talking to me about the uh, all the all the kinds of people and all the kinds of professions that yeah. are represented on her team. I mean, this year um, we've definitely got have. I mean, jack of all trades. <laughs> we have teachers. We have um, financial planners. We have um, retirees. Um, we have young social workers. Um, you know, CEOs <laughs> as volunteers. I mean, I think everyone is just looking for a moment to you know give back and feel a part of the community, right? Um, and so one of our newest volunteers you know she um, she's retired at this point um, and she actually doesn't drive and one of the issues for her was that she couldn't get to the Berkeley because we're not directly on a metro line well, one of the other volunteers who she knows who um, got her hooked and um, was like well I'll drive you every time you can be on my team and we'll just make it work that way and she has been such a breath of fresh air 
um, to to the kids because she comes at it with such just a different point of view, you know. And I think having all of those different points of views makes it e- even better, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe you're an empty nester and you want to spend an hour with a child and read to them. Hey, it, it sounds like a good idea, you know. Well, you know, uh, Judy. Can I make no, one more point? No, while sure. We're, jump in. While we're yeah. having such a good <laughs> and positive discussion about volunteers. Uh, we need. We always need volunteers. Um, mm-hmm. But I do did just want to make a special plug for the fact that right now we really need volunteers in Montgomery County. Yes. So yeah. if there if uh, if there are folks listening who work in the district uh, and live in Montgomery County or vice versa, or for some reason are in Montgomery County in the early evening of a weeknight. Uh, you can volunteer with us. You don't have to be in Arlington. We've recently expanded to yeah. the county, and. Um, uh, we're finding that it takes a little while to sort of, you know, get known. And so we do need volunteers in Montgomery County. So application process is the same. That's great. Uh, Judy, how did all this get started? You know, we, we kind of skipped over that. But uh, tell us about Beth Reese and how she uh, she got this whole thing rolling. That's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> I know. Hey, we're here to please. <laughs> so, um, uh, so Beth was teaching actually at McKinley Elementary in Arlington, uh, I don't know, I guess maybe about 30 years ago now, 27 years, at least 27 years. And this is when, you know, the shelter movement first started coming to the suburbs. And she and some of her colleagues noticed that they were starting to see kids with a different kind of need in their classrooms. And they realized that they were kids that were living at the shelter. So she uh, just started with some of her colleagues going over to the shelter and reading to the kids on a very ad hoc basis, completely volunteer on the weekends when, you know, when the kids were there. And if you knew Beth, you would know that this was going to happen. But, you know, <laughs> she has this huge heart. She has this charismatic personality. And I bet it didn't take long before she had this place just whipped into shape as far as a read-aloud program. She she involved her mother-in-law. She involved her mother. She involved her kids. And all the, you know, neighborhood volunteers Everybody was collecting books. They were building bookcases. They were reading to the kids. So that was the beginning. And we were incorporated in 1989. And I believe we were in uh, the two doorway shelters first and then uh, moved to a couple of Alexandria shelters. And then it's been, you know, a slow and steady growth process ever since. And can I say, um, so the heart that you, you were talking about with Beth that is something that I, I was laughing with Judy earlier about this, and I said, that's like in the water or something <laughs> at the Reading Connection. It's just something that is so innate in every single person that you meet that works for them. They are so dedicated. The team is so dedicated. Um, and the board is, uh, you know, I, I'm new to the board now, um, but it's it's universal, that whole, the heart, the dedication, the commitment. Um, these are people that are really trying to, to make a difference here. Yeah, there's a quote uh, from uh, Rebecca Smith, I think, is one of your volunteers on the website. And she says, as a decade-long volunteer, I've seen that very special gift of reading. I've seen despondent kids come alive with a book, heard their delight in a whimsical tale, and seen the pleasure of getting into a book that is theirs to keep. And, yeah, I mean, what a great experience um, to be involved. Look, we're, we're running out of time. Unfortunately, this is probably an hour and a half. In fact, I'd love to get your thoughts on how we get our kids to put down those iPads and pick up books, <laughs> but that may be another 30-minute show. Um, call to action. We always ask our our guests to give um, you know a general call to action to listeners, but also a, a more also a specific call to action on how they can get involved with you. First, let's let's cover how to get involved with the Reading Connection, and then if we have time, a general call to action to all volunteers. 
Judy or Kim jump in here? We got about a minute and a half left. Okay. Well, we've already been talking about volunteering, and you know, this is something that we need all the time. We have you know 250 volunteers. We we ask them to stay for a year, and most of them do. But you know, people move on for various reasons, and every year we need to refill those ranks. So uh, we always need volunteers. As Kim said, really, it's only an hour a month. And if you love books and if you love kids, you love reading, this is a perfect opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, I'd say, you know, we're coming up on that year-end donation season, and uh, we live on the kindness of folks like you people listening. Mm -hmm. So on our website, which again is thereadingconnection.org, there's a big donate button right up there at the top. So um, go to the website, check us out, and if you like what you see, you know, p- please make a donation. Okay, look, we're going to have to wrap this up. Um, uh, Kim and Judy, th- we really appreciate uh, your insights. Uh, for our listeners, uh, please consider getting involved with The Reading Connection. Visit their website at thereadingconnection.org. We'll also be posting information about this event on our Facebook and Twitter pages. If you want to give us some feedback, you can email me at salandgraceinthirty.com. Also feel free to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Grace in 30. Uh, a replay of this show will be available on WERA's website 24 hours after the show is aired. Uh, this show will also rebroadcast this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. This is Sal Dietry signing off for Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7. Join us next week and be sure to tune in to Grace.